Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hey, Sydney. Uh, got good news. I know it's only February, but I have settled on my Halloween costume. Uh, it's kind of early for that, but okay, I'll bite. Doc Holiday. Well, okay. I mean, I okay, love Doc Holiday. Tombstone. Yeah. Doc no. Holiday. Great character. Great. Thank you. So, okay. Do you think you're all ready? Yeah, I think I'm pretty much set. Um, do you, do you have like your costume, like, you know, what you're going to wear? Nope. Uh, do, can you shoot a gun? Nope. Can you t- like twirl it around like he no, does? No, 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 no. Uh, have you worked on your poker game? Nope. Terrible. Do you play the piano? Not a bit. Speak Latin? Not a lick. Are you a doctor? Not in any way, shape or form. We've proven that pretty succinctly. So it doesn't sound like you're exactly ready in any way. Not. No. 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 In retrospect, no, I'm not ready at all. Well, uh, I mean, since we do have a lot of time before Halloween, uh, there is something you could get started on right now, and then would probably you'd probably be good and ready by what? the time it came around. What's that? Well, I mean, you could go ahead and try to catch TB. Hmm, catch TB. I, yeah. I don't know much about it, but it's that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Sounds easy. I mean, Doc Holliday was a famous lunger, as it as it were. Okay, well, I'll give so. it a shot. Now, I warn you, I don't know much about TB, so maybe you could educate me, and then. I'll uh, I'll get cracking. Well, maybe the problem is you just don't know it by the name TB. Oh. Perhaps you've heard of consumption. No. Or scrofula. Yeah. Pots disease. No. Thysis. No. Maybe the white plague. No, <laughs> I, I I'm not familiar with any of these names. Oh well, these are all other names for TB. In addition, for a while it was called the romantic disease. Oh, it's kind of sweet. Valentine's Day is just around the corner. <laughs> there you go. Hey, do you do you have a gift for your girlfriend? Have you considered TB? She'll love it. It hey, keeps on giving. Or your boyfriend. He might like it. I don't know. Don't settle for a gift that comes from the heart. Look for a gift that comes from the lungs. <laughs> Just cough right in her face. So, um, yeah, it was called the romantic disease, mainly because of how prevalent it was during the period of romanticism. All right. That's not as good, but. No. But uh, it did not come about in the romantic period. It has been around for a really long time. Like. Larry King levels of of existence? Perhaps even longer. Nah. It was found, it has been found, the bacteria that causes tuberculosis, mycobacterium tuberculosis, has been found in bones that date from the Neolithic period. Wow. It's been found in Egyptian mummies. It may actually be the first disease known to man. Wow. That's a hard thing to quantify. But yeah, it may right. Be. 
it's interesting. They weren't sure for a long time. One really important thing to figure out, and I think I've mentioned this before, about any kind of disease Mm -hmm. is does it live in humans, animals, both, and who first? And so it's hard to calculate. Yeah, that can be really hard to figure out, but it's important because if you're going to try to get rid of it, like with smallpox, you really need to know if it only exists in humans. It's really hard to do if it if it also lives in animals. The t- the interesting thing about TB is that we thought we got it from animals because there's a strain Mycobacterium bovis, which you probably could imagine is from cows, and um, we thought maybe it jumped over to humans, but we figured out through dating like the evolution of the bacteria that it actually originated in humans like 40,000 years ago. Wow. So I'm assuming that when we say it's the oldest disease known to man, that we're obviously not counting the Mondays. <laughs> no, Garfield started those. Okay. Um, Garfield was a saber-toothed cat. That's Did tr- you know that? That's true. I think there was a, a cartoon like that, right? Yeah. Cave painting, actually. A cave painting? A Garfield cave painting. Yeah. <laughs> where, where did you... Where did you find that? Odie was a uh, girlfriend was a saber toothed tiger, and Odie was a woolly mammoth. <laughs> Even back then, Even I bet back then. he was. I bet he was annoying Garfield. No, the comic honestly got better uh, after lasagna was invented. <laughs> Before that, it was <laughs> it was harder to follow with the evolution of lasagna and, and text that helped a lot. But let's be honest, before normal, come on. Uh, yeah, pre-normal, the pre-normal era. So um, thanks for joining us for the Garfield podcast. <laughs> Coming up next, an interview with John Davis. Uh, So anyway, I just think it's really interesting that they can date back the human pathogen for 40,000 years and the cow pathogen for 6,000 years. So we know that we gave it to cows probably about the time that we started farming and raising animals. Sorry, cows. It's the only bad thing we've ever done to you, though. So (laughs) no, that's really it. I guess you had it coming. Pay no attention to McDonald's or Burger King or or any other fast food restaurant. Leather, the whole bit. Footballs, that's pigs. So you probably have some idea about tuberculosis, TB, that it is an infection uh, that you pass it to people probably through coughing. I think a lot of people are aware of the idea that like you cough and little droplets of mucus go to the other person and then you can get disease. Gross, yeah. People kind of kind of know that. It mainly causes like a pulmonary disease, a lung disease. Everybody knows that, but it can cause disease all throughout the body in various forms. So that's kind of what TB is. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, Nefertiti probably died of TB. Aww. And in her time, there were already TB hospitals. Wow, so prevalent. Uh, the If we go back to like the Ebers papyrus, What's they, that? it's uh, an old Egyptian like text okay. where we we've mentioned it before. There's all kinds of old infections and things mentioned on it. Um, it talks about an infection that was probably TB, although they didn't call it that at the time. And they advised as treatment for tuberculosis, like you can get these giant enlarged lymph nodes mm-hmm. um, and they would advise cutting them open and then putting a mixture on in them of acacia, peas, fruit, animal blood, insect blood, honey, and salt delicious except for the insect blood that does not cure tb that does not cure tb that one's official that's been myth busted (laughs) we tried it earlier don't tell anybody no no No, especially not the patient's family makes a delightful reduction though (laughs) suitable for (laughs) beef put that in my in my tea later (laughs) i would (laughs) my throat's a bit sore uh the old testament uh talks about a consumptive illness um, consumptive because it consumed the body, consumed mm-hmm. the lungs, and then also you get really thin and scrawny, consumes the body. Um, and the treatment for it in the Old Testament is just try not to stray from God. Okay, done. That's so, easy. 
once you once you've gotten it, I don't know what you. I don't know if you maybe pray really hard. Pray, yeah, just apologize. Try to find God. So again. God, listen, wherever you are, please come out, my throat <laughs> Please, I keep coughing keep so coughing. much blood. Um, the Vedic texts mention it. Uh, we've talked about those before. Those are old um, Hindu texts, Indian texts. Uh, they mention it. They call uh, balasa or yaksma. Uh, they later call it scrofula. And they say you should treat it with breast milk, meat, alcohol, rest, and just move to a high altitude. Because that's what you feel like doing, right? <laughs> well, you might have fun. Let's move. Hanging out on a hill, eating some meat and drinking some booze. Mm-hmm. Resting. Resting. I don't know about the breast milk. I don't know how you're going to score that. Um, it's it's a theme, really, with TB, the idea of moving to different climates, because several times you find repeated the advice to move to a higher altitude. And then later, if you remember in Doc Holliday's time, mm-hmm. we recommended that people move to drier climates. Neither of which is effective, I'm assuming. No, no neither of those things will cure TB. Okay. Um, Hippocrates was the one to first call it thysis in 460 BC and his best advice was that if you're a doctor stay away from patients with it (laughs) Uh, he knew that it was almost always fatal and he didn't know how to cure it so he just said just try to stay away just like yeah don't mess with it yeah you've got other people to heal we've got some other wacky cures just stay away from those people um he and many physicians at the time thought it was hereditary, but Aristotle was actually the first one to say, you know what, I think it's contagious. And Galen followed in their footsteps, and he advised, he had actually had some treatments, um, of course, bloodletting. Sure. Why not? Get the DB out. Um, eat some barley and fish and fruit and, I don't know, some healthy stuff. And then when you're dying, try some opium. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. That was a common theme for a while was as the disease advanced, the main treatment was opium, which I, I maybe was the beginning of palliative care. Not a, Yeah, well, I was going to say it probably was. I mean, the, you probably knew you were dying at that point. They're probably just trying to ease your, ease your passage into the, into the great beyond, into it, Valhalla. <laughs> exactly. It was accepted pretty early on that we didn't have a treatment or a cure and that TB was a slow but certain death. Um, I really liked during the Inquisition... Uh, so a lot of people had TB during the Inquisition, but um, because pagans were being persecuted for, you know, being pagans, um, they they began to kind of uh, believe that they were evil and that some of them that they were, you know, that they had fallen away from God and that was why they were the victim of all this persecution. And um, they thought that maybe a demon dog had infected their bodies. That was a commonly held belief that there was a dog inside them that was of satanic origin Mm -hmm. it was eating their lungs Mm -hmm. and that whenever they would cough that was the dog barking and uh, it meant it was getting closer to its goal which was you know of course to kill them Mm -hmm. whenever i uh when that one time i caught tb that i really wanted bacon and synthetic bacon strips uh and i ran around the house brooding for bacon and uh that that would explain a lot actually I always want bacon. Bacon, 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 where? On the bag, what's it say? I can't read. Remember that hilarious commercial <laughs> for bacon strips? I remember that hilarious commercial. I just, this week's episode about... is brought to you by bacon strips. <laughs> Dogs don't know it's not bacon. It's bacon! Now you just really made me want bacon. When do all. you not want bacon? Never. I always want bacon. Fair. Um, I think my favorite treatment for TB as we kind of move through the, through the ages, uh, we're getting closer to the now, is um, what was called the Royal Touch. You got the touch. <laughs> um, Justin has it. Please kill my TB. 
as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, it was popular all throughout Europe, but uh, particularly in France at first and then to England. Um, and the idea was that there was this association with the monarchy and um, like the, the idea that they were kind of chosen by God. So because they were holy in a sense, um, you know, not holy like the Pope's holy, but holy like yeah, God let them be Divine king. Yeah. Touch, touch. Something better than us. Yeah. Okay. Us commoners. Um, so the idea was that maybe they had some special powers from God. And maybe if they touched sick people, it would cure them. This sounds like a trick that poor people came up with to get the king sick. Doesn't it? It sounds like they were running a scam. If it is, it's I mean, that's a great idea. You're so powerful. I just figured maybe you could take a look at my nephew with TB. Like you, you seem to be really powerful and divine and, and stuff. I just thought maybe. Maybe you just get right way down in his face. Get there. down there just close. Touch his face close. with your face. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. Cough, Freddy. Cough. Cough on him. Cough on ye old king. <laughs> That's old timey people talk. <laughs> Cough on ye old king. Cough on ye old king, forsooth, and stuff. Uh, initially, this was kind of informal. People would stop by with family members, you know, loved ones who were very ill and just say, I don't know what else to do. Would you touch them? Maybe it'll help. Um, eventually, it became kind of an official ceremony. Uh, the kings would become so overrun and the queen uh, with visitors who were requesting to be touched that they had to like set up certain times like the king will be available to touch you (laughs) (laughs) on wednesday between the hours of three and six you know prince does that now ironically (laughs) just you can line up outside of his house for prince to touch me for seven hours (laughs) this is ridiculous can i get a fast pass can i get a fast pass to have prince touch me can i just touch the hem of his cravat um you could uh you could apply for the privilege eventually since you know so many people wanted to do it there were like i guess free freebie hours where you could just first come first serve and then you could apply for it um in france it was mainly just they would touch you in england it became this whole like very efficient process where they would just like line them up and whip them right through there and the queen had a certain way of doing it where she would touch them and then press a gold coin against their neck did they get to keep the gold coin? Because that would probably help. They did get to keep the gold coin. Whoa. Where so did I get line? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So if nothing, maybe you should like fake having TB just so you can get some So like cash. You're, you're still coughing a lot, but you have a gold cougar ass. <laughs> or maybe get TB. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. Get it. How bad do you want this gold coin? <laughs> um, this was a really big deal. Records of your royal touch experience were kept right along with like birth and death records like in a family you would keep track of all that well, you don't want to be touched for the same disease because then you get it again <laughs> no i've been touched for the plague uh i've been <laughs> touched for chicken pox i've been touched for measles i've uh, i'm covered i've, I've been touched for syphilis that didn't go over well no Ooh. Ooh. um it actually became so popular in france that tb uh became known as the king's evil or mal du roy I'll do Roy. Okay. I think just the association with getting touched by the king. Mm-hmm. Now, we still didn't know why uh, people were getting TB. There were a lot of different theories. Um, a lot of them uh, were, you know, silly. We thought maybe evil. Mm-hmm. Um, humor imbalance. Very mm-hmm. popular. Um, perhaps just organ failure. Uh, it seemed like these people were just kind of um, decaying from the inside. So maybe maybe they were just shutting down. Uh, there were some people who thought maybe there was a contagion. 
Um, some people thought maybe sugar was to blame. Mm-hmm. Not a great idea. And scientists still haven't figured this out to this day. So if you have any ideas, please let us know. No, no, that's not that's well, not true at all. Jerry's still out. No, that's not true at all. I think it's it's kind of neat. In Jerry's 1720, somebody actually, Benjamin Martin, proposed the idea that there was some kind of animacula, by which I mean, I think he meant a tiny animal <laughs> that was causing it, which actually it was the closest to the truth at the time. I mean, a very tiny a animal. A very tiny animal. Okay. Uh, but everybody kind of laughed at him and was like, that's ridiculous. It's clearly humors and evil. And evil and stuff. <laughs> it's clearly all the sugar. So forget it. That's a silly idea, little man. Um, in the 17th century, it, it just spread all over Europe. And that's when it was finally called the White Plague, as opposed to the Black Plague or the Black Death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because there were a lot of people who were living close together. You know, there were centers of, of population density with lots of people in poor sanitation. Um, and actually in 1650, the leading cause of death was TB. Wow. Uh, this this is when we start to enter the era of the romantic disease. Oh. Um, TB became this kind of inevitability. You were gonna get it. Uh, most people did. Um, so it was just thought, well, you know, you're gonna die some way. And you gotta think about it at the time, there were some pretty terrible ways that you might die. Yeah, a lot of gruesome tramplings just to just for start. <laughs> there were there were lots of yeah, there were lots of gruesome traumatic ways that you could die. There were a lot of diseases that we didn't have any cures for. Um, and TB by comparison, yeah, wasn't that bad. You get thrown into a grinder at the soot factory. <laughs> that happened all the time. You could fall and trip into a Bible printing press, just get smooshed into the pages. It was bad back then. Maybe you spend your days just just worn out as a as an orphan picking pockets for Fagan, and then <laughs> drop dead in the streets. It's it was a hard time. I don't even think that's the right time period. Yeah, people listen to this show. They don't know <laughs> they're so smart they go read a book. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, so the thing that they thought okay they thought TB was a good death why I mean that's my question why I, I've seen TB I don't know why you would think hey that seems like a great way to die um, but it was because it was slow it gave you time to prepare yourself for the afterlife so you could get your affairs in order um, you could you know you could uh, make your peace with your maker um, you had time to just sort of fade away exactly and and the way that uh, people looked while they were dying of TB. They look great. <laughs> it was a coveted look at the time. Very cool. Very chic. They became uh, pale and thin. Um, they were always, you know, coughing politely into a handkerchief that they would then quickly hide because it would be covered with blood. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, were, they were seen as angelic. So it was a. It was supposed to be a really great, uh, holy, pure way to die. A great way to die. Um, and it was a. If you remember, we talked about this. I think in um, one of the skin cream episodes or one of our was beauty it in cream opium. We were talking something. about laudanum. Oh, maybe it was that. We talked about different facial uh, creams, mm-hmm. and um, there was a lot of people who wanted to look uh, like they had TB. The TB look. Yeah, you want it. You want to look like you have TB because it's just infected look. <laughs> Um, that's actually uh, Lord Byron wrote about it and uh, wrote that he really wanted to die that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the problem with that. If you want it, though, it'll never happen. <laughs> you have to just, just let, it, let it happen. Let the universe bring it to you. Organically, literally. Um, and this is actually what inspired uh, the book 
that would later become La Boheme. La Boheme, mm-hmm. so you're familiar. And Les Mis, the book that the musical Les Mis was based on, were both written out of this time period um, about holy people dying of TB. And if you think about in Les Mis, like it's really presented that way. Mm-hmm. Like That's it's true. a death of redemption and, you know, purity. So um, there were some treatments available at the time, although, I mean, why would you want them? Because you're dying the holiest death available. And you look fantastic (laughs) i can't underline that enough like this look i mean think about it in the 90s this is what you wanted to look like right right kate moss had that tb look did kate moss have tb does kate moss have tb (laughs) what isn't she telling us next up on tmz (laughs) miss moss miss moss (laughs) is it true you have tb show us your handkerchief uh if you did want to get rid of your tb you could try drinking some dog fat and garlic um, Sounds pretty good. What's dog fat? <laughs> you know, dog fat. Just fat from a dog? Fat from a dog. Okay. Don't think about how they got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could inhale some smoke from burning cow dung. God. Did they just think about the least pleasant thing you'd, like, in context of your disease? Like, oh, you're coughing a lot? Maybe inhale smoke from burning cow dung? Maybe it was, like, uh, this way the doctor could never be proven wrong. Because you're going to tell your patient to do that. They absolutely are not going to try it. Hey, listen, if you were serious about getting well, I told you what you needed to do. So you clearly just didn't want to get better. Because if, if you had done it, it would have worked. And then you can always fall back on like, well, I know you did it, but you really didn't do it long enough. Or maybe there wasn't enough cow dung. Maybe or it wasn't smelling enough. enough. Yeah. You can always fall back on that. Um, they did uh, suggest maybe you could take a sea voyage. Again, I think based on the idea that by the time you got back, you'd be dead and you couldn't blame the doctor for getting it wrong. <laughs> um, you could vomit a whole lot to try to work out your chest muscles. Well, I think with, <laughs> with inhale, like diseases of the respiratory system, like it's very tempting to think that like air that we as humans find cleansing would be useful, right? Like mm-hmm. you're getting bad air somehow, you, especially in this age when we're starting to see, you know, um, industrialization step uh, step up and it would have been very tempting to think well you you need to get fresh air you need to get out of the city and get into to someplace cleaner where there is more pure that's a really good point and that actually that comes up a lot as we move forward um the theory that it has it, it, you're ex- exactly like you said if it's a respiratory illness it has something to do with the air so cleaner air might work or i think that's actually the theory behind the burning cow dung is that a, a an even more offensive smell would actually destroy what was going on in your lungs mm-hmm. Um, or you could just, if you couldn't actually take a sea voyage, they did say you could just put some seaweed under your bed. Yeah, it's kind of a half, half measure, but sure. Um, the, the, the stricter laws uh, of the time were attempting to quarantine these people. Um, this was when we first started to understand. We, we didn't know why, but we thought maybe it was contagious. We thought we were passing it from people to people. So they started making laws, um, tr- again, trying to quarantine them. This didn't work very well. Um, they tried to avoid infant exposure by making laws about who could handle babies, who could work with babies. And then um, it was very popular to spit in the streets. Mm-hmm. And then spittoons followed later. And both of those were banned in a lot of places. And folks, above all, we can't stress this enough. Avoid spitting on infants. <laughs> That's a good rule now. Just a, It's a great. Hey, yeah. Anytime. You know what? Don't spit on streets now because it's gross. Don't spit. There you anytime. go. Just don't spit. Spit's the one thing that bothers me. 
That's the bodily fluid you can't handle. It's huh? the only bodily fluid I can't handle. Anything else, but please don't show me what you're spitting up. I'll take your word for it. Whatever color you say it is, I'll believe you. Um, well, what came after this, of course, was what, what comes after all of our misunderstanding, which is science. Hooray, science. Science showed up. I think this is really cool because if you Kicked chart... in the door. They did. They said, <laughs> stop spitting on that, baby. Now, let's be honest. Science politely knocked on the door, waited for somebody to open it. <laughs> And what then it, asked if they could me, please in, come in. I know you're all uh, uh, very much enjoying uh, <laughs> spitting on babies and the cow dung and what have you. Would anyone like to be right? Would anyone like to know the right thing to... Okay, no, I will just nope. see myself out. Oh, you are... Okay, you're putting my head in an old-timey toilet and you're flushing it. This is... You're inventing a swirly right now. So, of course, science showed up. The angry mob shouted it down for another several hundred years. And then they came back. <laughs> No, not really. Uh, Rene uh, Lanik invented the stethoscope to help him study TB. I think that's very cool that the history of the stethoscope is linked to the history of TB. Yeah. Well, I mean, cool. I'm doing air quotes. Cool. Cool. I think it's cool. cool. It's cool. Um, it was proven that it was contagious by Jean Villemin, and uh, then Koch of Koch's postulates found the organism in 1882 he was the one who was like hey we've got a disease and if i put it in this animal it gets the disease you know that kind of thing um and it's then, funny how so <laughs> it's funny how so i don't know lots of fields like this like it's funny how many of our medical pioneers like because now it's so obvious in retrospect just like aren't that impressive like yeah <laughs> yeah i think when you give tv from one thing to another but things have tb it's like yeah, I, I would think so. It's it's great because that was a huge theory. Like the dude and that Coke invented the combustion a... engine, I would still be like, I don't, I don't know, how can you? But like that makes me feel like a genius. Like yeah, I know you can give it for animal and animal. Do you know I get how it. many people TB was killing? This is a big deal. I know it's a big deal. I'm just saying that I could have done it if I was sent back in time. I don't know. Look at how many years people were just you know betting on like bad air and spitting on babies, sugar. <laughs> Um, 13 years after that, the x-ray was invented. Um, so that obviously helped a lot because we could correlate the things that we saw in lungs with the things we heard in lungs with our stethoscope and then the disease that we were seeing in the patient. Um, and then on March 24th of 1882, Koch gave this big groundbreaking lecture on the cause of tuberculosis um, and you know how it spread and whatnot. And that to this day is World Tuberculosis Day. So if you're wondering why you get into Disney World free, if you have a really bad <laughs> cough on March 24th, that's what's up. Because we're quarantining you all at Disney World. Quarantining you all in the giant globe. We're going to keep you at the happiest place. That's not too bad. Yeah. No. Be all right. Um, the, then we're I mean, going to force the, you to be treated. Paying while for you're your there. food and drink is going to break the bank, but <laughs> just sneak in a little packet of Kool Aid and then use the water fountain. And <laughs> <laughs> never did that. No, never did no. that. I mean, it's a good trick. You could drink the water flowing down in the Matterhorn, I guess. It gets you a few days. If you want hepatitis. Hepatitis to match your tuberculosis. <laughs> Perfect. Um, in, uh, in 1908, the PPD, which is the, you some of you probably had this test before when they're like, you got to get tested for TB. And so they stick a little needle in your arm and make a bubble Ugh. and then look at it two days later to see if it turned red. Yeah. Or the Manto skin test. That was invented. So then we could test for it. Um, unfortunately, with our understanding of the contagious nature of the disease and what caused it, and now that we really had a good hold on it, we started um, creating sanatoriums or 
you know, places basically to keep people with TB, mm-hmm. uh, to quarantine them off. Uh, one of the first ones, I think this is really cool or sad, in, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, and I'd probably, I would love to read a book about this someday. A guy named John Krogan, who owned the Mam- who owned Mammoth Cave. If you're familiar with Mammoth Cave, mm-hmm. where is that? In like Kentucky, Tennessee? I'm not sure. Somewhere nearby. Anyway, um, so it's a big cave. And he said, you know what? This would be a great place to house TB patients. So in 1852, he opened it up to 15 TB patients to come live there away from the populace. They stayed in stone huts that were kind of scattered throughout the the cave. Okay. Uh, They were each given an African slave to wait on them while they lived in the cave. That's not a cool part. No, that's not. I just think I just think that he he housed TB people in a cave is kind of interesting. Yeah, and that, as it turns out, is what Lost was about. (laughs) (laughs) But they they uh, they only were there for about four months, and then at that point, all of them had either died or left. And then Krogan later died of TB as well. Ah. So not a happy ending, but I just think it's really weird that he was like, "Hey, I have this big cave. I can help." So I mean, I guess you know, I wouldn't have thought of that. I own a cave. Hey, there's a TB epidemic. There's worse uses for a cave, so. except for the slavery. I'm not too hot on that. No, that was a really bad thing all around. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. But storing t- patients with TB in a cave. Yeah, convenient. Um, they liked it. By all accounts, they wrote really nice things about it. I mean, until they, they died of TB, which was inevitable, let's be honest. And they had slaves, so it's like sort of bad. Well, yeah, of course. I'm just saying, like, it wasn't like the TB patients were mistreated. You just enjoy the idea of humans being stored in a cave. No, I just think it's creative. Who would think, like, I own a cave? I know I can help with TB. Yeah. Big ups to the guy that stored TB patients in a cave and then made black people work for them for free. And okay, the TB so, patients. All right. In retrospect, it was all a really bad thing. <laughs> I just you. think it's an interesting story. Fair. <laughs> The history of disease can get really dry sometimes, and this is a point where people were stored in a cave because they had TB. I think that's interesting. The next time you go to Mammoth Cave, you're you, uh, tell me you're not going to think about this. I am. I just won't think, oh, cool, this is where they made slaves catch TB, because I'm not a monster. I'm not a monster. Maybe they didn't. I don't know how they fared. I just know all the people who had TB eventually died. There, uh, there were lots of sanatoriums in that time period all across the Europe and U.S., and they pretty much just housed patients. Um, it would be great if they were, like, trying to cure them, but nobody knew how to cure it at the time. So uh, fresh air was the number one thing they kept recommending to people. So they would have, Give like, it one listen. Trust me. I know Terry Gross can be uh, a little presumptuous from time to time but she is an immensely talented interviewer <laughs> that's all they did they were they were housed in a giant building just listen to fresh air 24 7 um good food sunlight uh were other treatments there was also cod liver oil treatments was uh, sunlight was a big deal um but overall there was no effective treatment for tb so you kind of moved to a sanatorium with the understanding that you were going to die there mm-hmm. um the uh there, there were people who were trying for cures. Um, a surgical cure was experimented with for a while where we, you'd actually try to create what's called a pneumothorax or a space of air outside the lung, like within the, the uh, thoracic cavity, but outside the lung, mm-hmm. um, which is a bad thing now that we try to fix mm-hmm. if we, you know, if we see one. Um, but pretty much uh, 
this was not a very helpful cure. Um, it was actually based on case reports of a soldier who had uh, been stabbed in the chest and then survived TB afterwards. So they thought, well, maybe there's a correlation between getting stabbed in the chest and surviving TB. Something of a mixed blessing. I think he was just a lucky guy. Yeah. Um, Except for the stab wound. Well, he survived it all. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you just don't ever look on the bright side. <laughs> That's my problem. Uh, they invented a, vac- a vaccine, BCG vaccine, in 1921. Um, we don't use it in this country, in What's the that? U.S. Uh, largely because, actually, the U.S., the U.K., or Canada because of the low prevalence of disease. It works, but it wanes after about 10 years. And more importantly, once you've had it, you cannot get a PPD. It is useless. It will always be positive. So whether you have the disease or you got the vaccine, it'll be positive. Hmm. Um, In 1944, we invented streptomycin, which was the first anti-TB drug. Isoniazid came later and then rifampin. And we thought for a while with these drugs that we had, we had, were going to see the end of TB, the end of the white plague. Hooray! However, uh, oh. in the 80s, we started seeing multi-drug resistant strains of tuberculosis. Uh, most TB patients are treated with like a four-drug regimen mm-hmm. for a long time period. That's the big thing about TB. You've got to treat people with a lot of meds for a long time. And a lot of people don't comply with it and don't finish it. And as a result, we got a bunch of resistant strains. Um, The rise of HIV also led to the rise of more infections with tuberculosis because HIV patients are more susceptible to any infection, including TB. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the incidence and prevalence overall is dropping. Oh, good. But one third of the world's population has been infected. Wow. They're not. Now, that does not mean that they're carrying like the active disease. Um, You can just have it and be latent. And then you wouldn't know you had it unless you had a PPD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a tenth of those who are infected will progress to progress to active disease, which is why it's so important if you're ever in a healthcare field, why we check you with a PPD. Wow. Um, because you can you can spread it later on. Um, it is uh, more common in the developing world, of course. I think we know that. Um, but in the in you know in this country, it's becoming more uh, common among certain at risk populations. And like I said, it's just really hard to treat. It's really hard to diagnose, um, actually. Um, And like I said, there's not a great vaccine. There is a vaccine that's used all over the world, but not here. So So, tuberculosis, back and harder to cure than ever. (laughs) Sleep tight, everybody. Unfortunately, that's true. I will say this, though, is one little hopeful thing. Um, The drugs that we use to treat TB are one of the things that, um, while not available everywhere, certainly uh, as much as we wish they were, they are more widely available than you'd think. Um, when I worked in Malawi, I dealt with lots and lots of patients who had active TB, and there were many drugs available to treat them. Um, and and actually, we had a lot less drug resistance there. Of course, that could change over time, but but there's hope. There's there's drugs, and and we can treat you if you have TB. So if you've got TB, get get treated now and stick to it don't give up yeah don't don't buy into that whole chic pale you know it's not worth the look angelic look i don't care how romantic it sounds tb is not a great way to die tb is a terrible way to die but uh, a great way to die is listening to our show forever (laughs) until you eventually die of old old age happy age and educated. in your bed, uh, surrounded by loved ones, 
thank you uh, to everyone tweeting about the show this week. People like Cameron May, Maggie, Tortoiseshell Bat, Andy Dicktell, Andrew Booth, Chris Normando, uh, Mitch Reeder, V. Kloss, Tyler Ellsworth, Elizabeth Laidlaw, Joshua Montana, John Gardner, Chastity Ellsworth. Uh, thank you so much to everybody. We really appreciate you um, spreading the word uh, 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 about our program. Uh, you can just link people to sawboneshow.com if you can't remember our web address. Um, that's you can email us if you have suggestions uh, for shows. Mm-hmm. Sawbones at MaximumFun.org. And you can review us on iTunes. I wanted to mention a second. I wanted to mention something real quick before we close out the show. Uh, we we had several folks after our, our episode about the father of homeopathy uh, who suggested that we maybe pulled some punches when it came to homeopathy itself, the actual style. And uh, we just which want, is a fair suggestion, I would say. Yeah, I think that's fair. And we've also gotten people who've suggested we do things about uh, uh, phrenology, reflexology acupuncture things that uh there are people that believe in currently that are popular forms of treatment and we just want to say for the future so you know we're not super interested on sawbones about making people feel bad about the stuff that they might believe no we try to be happy and positive and talk about things that we can all pretty much agree today weren't good ideas from yesterday from yesterday so uh, if, if we skew towards uh, uh, trying to keep things light and positive, we hope you will forgive us. Uh, but that's the, that's kind of show we're interested in making. And if you want to find, you know, like actu- you shouldn't take any actual treatment recommendations from this program, we're pretty clear about it. Absolutely. Because as we may have pointed out many times before, um, who knows if the stuff we're doing today will not end up on a very similar podcast. Yeah, we don't want to get too high and mighty because that'll 50, come back to get you. 200 years where they'll be making fun of us. So, so. anyway, that programming note aside, uh, we hope you all continue to listen and enjoy the show. We appreciate you so much for listening. We're here every Tuesday, uh, weather permitting. So we hope you'll come back and join <laughs> us again. Or weather not permitting. Or no weather not permitting. We don't care. Uh, next week, I think we're going to talk about pregnancy, Sid. I think that seems appropriate, Justin. Now, why is that? Well, I've taken this moment, now that I've told all of the internet, to tell you that I'm pregnant. Fantastic. That's your reaction. Congratulations. That's the best you've got. I'm going to be a dad. Okay, he already knew. I knew. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, Sydney's Maybe we should talk about it next week. Exciting. So we'll talk about pregnancy next week. Uh, and uh, make sure you join us for that special episode and tell everybody you know to listen because we appreciate it. Make sure to join us again next Tuesday. Until then, I am Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.